Sandy love and life coaching delivered straight up like your best friend would if she were a licensed and certified mental wellness professional. If you don't know me yet, I'm Candace Harper, relationship coach and hypnotherapist, and I'm here to support you with feeling epic, enough, peaceful, illuminated, and courageous in every area of your life, but particularly your love life, whether you're single or not. I'm also here to teach all of us how to vibe high and manifest the sweetest possible love in this lifetime. I'm here to teach you how to ask for candy and to get it. If you've got something to say about what you hear, email me your comments and questions, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Candy Love Coach. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. Leave a review so I can shout you out. And share with the friends and family that you know will benefit from this spoonful of sugar. Now let's get started. And how's everybody doing? Oh my goodness gracious, it's been a whole two weeks. I feel like it's been forever. I missed y'all so very much. Um, I don't know if you uh, tuned in last week to my um, guesting on the Coach EO show. If you got a chance to listen in, watch it on YouTube. Turns out we're gonna be doing that on a regular basis, twice a month. We're gonna be sitting down having a little uh, he said, she said chat, a little uh, man, woman Q&A. And I'm really excited about that because if, if you read my newsletter, if you're on the newsletter, I talked a little bit about how interesting it was to be in the space with someone who I wouldn't necessarily have, have uh, you know, done the searching to speak to, you know, if I would have seen his YouTube videos cold and not had any uh, connection with him having read my article, I might not have given him a chance, a, a listen, because I might have written him off as, you know, another one of those misogynistic dating coaches. But in getting to know him and, you know, getting to really sort of deep dive in what he's about, come to find out we not only have a lot of things in common, that the differences that we do have are very... Uh, communica commu communicable is not the right word. That's like a disease, right? There's some, there are things that are able to be communicated about, <laughs> things that we can just sit down and talk about and, you know, uh, be flat and honest and, and just clear up, maybe transform, shift each other's paradigms about certain things or, you know, just gain some clarity. Because as y'all know, I am a big believer in uh, being able to accept people where they are and be an understanding around whoever you meet, the things you agree with, things you don't agree with, being able to, to let people be where they're at in order to come together and cause any sort of shifts, transformations, uh, considerations of other thoughts. Because, you know, our fighting, resisting, making people wrong does not work. On it, by any stretch of the imagination. I know there's some thoughts and paradigms that I have that I, I would imagine that Coach EO doesn't necessarily agree with. And we have a lot of things that we do agree about. And, you know, in order to sort of develop understanding for those who listen to both of us, we're going to sit down and have some really great, rich conversations. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm very excited about it because I think that whatever we agree or disagree about, I think he's a pretty cool human being. So... We're going to work all that stuff out. Hopefully you will listen in. I will be announcing as we go along. I think the first one we're going to do is a YouTube Live on March 16th. So you definitely want to be there for that. Of course, off the top of my head, I don't remember what time we said. I think we said 1 o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Central, live on YouTube March 16th. But you know I'll be putting out more information about that. Today, what are we going to talk about today? Today's topic, are cheaters really going to cheat? 
right? Obviously, Candace. That's why they're cheaters, because they're going to cheat, right? But let's dissect that a little bit, because this topic, you know, the topic title is really just to draw people in so that, you know, if you've been through a situation where you've been with a cheater or you've been a cheater yourself or the whole cheating thing is somewhere in your love life paradigm, which I have a feeling it probably is, it's very common, you might have the disempowering belief that maybe all men cheat. All women cheat, or most women cheat. A lot of times people don't say all women cheat because they they uh, have sort of a double standard that women don't cheat as much. But I don't know that that's true. There's all these different levels of cheating, what cheating actually is. But I'm speaking specifically to those who um, really feel like people are cheaters and you know avoid relationships or have trust issues in relationships because they feel like people are cheaters. And I want to talk about, you know, how do you really set boundaries, not just around cheating, but what does it really mean to set boundaries in a relationship so that, you know, you don't necessarily find yourself years down the road where, you know, they've, they've um, uh, compromised your relationship over and over again, or you've compromised your relationship over and over again because some, there was some structure, some foundation in place. Now, I know you're thinking... Candace, just because you tell someone not to do something doesn't mean they won't do it. And you're absolutely right, which is why I'm often in the conversation of explaining how boundaries are not meant for other people. And I was talking to one of my coaching clients, uh, I believe it was yesterday, and I, I love her so dearly. It was either yesterday or the day before. And I love her so dearly. She's, she's young and you know has somewhat of a paradigm about boundaries that has to do with if she doesn't like what someone else does, that she isolate herself from that person or separate herself from that person. And I mean, here's the thing about boundaries when it comes to friendships and things like that. You know, you never have to force yourself to be around someone who triggers things in you. You don't have to force that. But the, the opportunity here is that if I am triggered by something that someone does, and it's not something that it threatens my physical well-being, and it's not something that um, threatens my emotional well-being unless I'm making it mean something that needs to threaten my emotional well-being. There's an opportunity for, you know, wh what can I heal within myself? What can I shift within myself so that this person doesn't have this power over me, this control over me? Because, you know, if we're dealing with people who, you know, don't have... Um, you know, or they have, have unworkable ways of communicating with us, or they're negative, or they're not very nice as far as we're concerned, as far as we perceive it. It's an opportunity, like when we feel those negative feelings, to say, okay, so what, what do I need to heal? What do I need to work on? What do I need to do so that this person's way of being doesn't have any power over me? That I can still stay on track with who I am and who I want to be, that I don't have to make moves to isolate. And you know, often, especially when you're young, that leads to needing for friends to agree and needing for friends to protect your boundaries and all of that stuff. It's all, it's like a control game. Anyway, I digress because I keep thinking about this client. I love her so much and I want the best for her and I want her to get a breakthrough around this. But let's talk about relationship, romantic relationship boundaries. And the reason that I mentioned cheating when talking about the possibility of relationship, romantic relationship boundaries is because that's often one that we tend to not put boundaries on because 
there's this assumption that people are just going to cheat. Now, I'm saying people because I don't want to be exclusive of how what um, you know men's experience are, especially men who've been cheated on. However, you know the the most common sort of disempowering belief is that all men cheat, that men can't be trusted, that you know if your husband is somehow distant or if he has checked out a little bit of the relationship, there's any conflict going on that you're at the threat of him cheating or that he is cheating or that's going to be the next step. Like I feel like there's almost like an unwritten rule that that is just how men cope with relationships not working out, that they're going to cheat. And there's there's also that societal uh thing where it's like how do you keep your man, keep like keeping a man they often don't say that about keeping a woman, which interestingly enough, it's usually women who initiate divorce. <laughs> so you don't hear a whole lot of stuff about, well, how do you keep your woman? You got to keep your woman. Are you doing all the right things to keep your woman? But keeping your man is definitely something that's very much in the, in the sort of lexicon of, of let's talk about dating and relationships, right? Can she keep a man? She can't keep no man. What's wrong with her? She can't keep her man. And so, yeah, often it, it, cheating is associated with, uh, with men in a relationship. And I don't mean to be binary. I should say, you know, the more masculine energy, the more feminine energy, however, you know, you want to place yourself in the spectrum. But I say all of this to say that there's a very important thing that has to happen. Not only the understanding of setting boundaries, but and understanding what it really is, that it's boundary, setting boundaries is something we do for ourselves, on ourselves, not on other people. It's not making rules for how other people have to behave. It's setting up uh, communication for what are, what can be expected of us, right? This is what you can expect of me. This is what I'm willing to be around for. This is what I'm not willing to be around for and you can do whatever you like to do. You can do whatever you choose to do. I'm not attached to you doing what I tell you to do, but this is what you can expect from me as far as what I'll interact with, what I'll be down for, what I'll be interested in, and that's it. And if that person goes against that, it's on us to make the choice of whether we're going to stand on our word, the word that we give, or let them you know, do what they want to do and not stand on our word. Let them pull us out of integrity, right? It's not about control. Now, it may feel like, oh, Candace, you're saying the same thing. I'm just doing what I need to do for myself, and I'm just saying I'm not going to stick around for it. Yes, great. But let's frame it in a way that's empowering. Let's frame it in a way that has us in power of our experience and accepting that people are going to do what they need to do based on their survival, their trauma, uh, uh, responses, how they have to deal with their lives and that it's not about, uh, I'm the bigger person. I'm the better person. I'm the, this, I'm the, that, because I think that's where we kind of get caught up in thinking that I've decided you need to perform this behavior. And if you can't perform this behavior, you're not, you're not good enough to be in my life. So to protect myself, I'm going to cut you off and that's it. Bye. So that is one way to do it. There is no possibility within that. That's just, you know, control, chess piecing. Uh, you know, it can be a little bit manipulative and, and you can often have people kind of doing things they don't want to do from that place. 
But what I'm talking about is letting someone know what you put your word on for yourself and being willing to stand in that integrity, right? And in the beginning of a romantic relationship, it's really important to set a foundation. Now I've had, I would say, four solid committed relationships. Committed being that you know we the plan was to be together in the future. We were together for a long period of time to get to know each other. And, you know, the need of a foundation was definitely called for. And there was only one of them where there was really no foundation. It was the last one, the one I talk about often. And I don't, by the way, side note, I don't talk about it often because I'm in any way hung up on this person. I talk about it often because it was the, uh, the evolutionary relationship of my life. It's what really turned me around as far as who I was being in relationships and what I was attracting. Like it, it was like my alcoholic rock bottom. <laughs> so I talk about that one because, you know, it, it was very pivotal in having me be able to open up and have a, have a really good love life now to be able to have, you know, open communication and a loving relationship with someone that it, there's ease and there's happiness and there's communication and it feels good and all of that. If I didn't have that crappy relationship to sort of pivot me in a different direction than I was going in, I don't know that I would have this relationship now. So that's why I bring that relationship up a lot. But I say all of that to say one thing I did not do in that relationship was set any sort of foundation of boundaries. There were no boundaries in that relationship whatsoever. And I don't mean there was no me controlling him, because there was a lot of me attempting to control him and be manipulative. There was no me standing up for myself. There was no me aligning with my own word. There was no me you know, being who I know myself to be and having my actions align with who I know myself to be. And that's what boundaries are. It's I say what I'm down for and I align with that. I say what I'm not down for and I align with that. That's all boundaries are. You can do whatever you want to do. You can show up however you want to show up. Just know that this is what I'm down for and this is what I'm not. Right? And with that said, knowing that the things that I choose to not be down for, that I have reasons that aren't, aren't you know, just controlling past informed um, superficial reasons, right? So let's go through some things that you want to set as a foundation in the beginning of a relationship. And I do believe that it's okay to have this conversation. And I've had this conversation with the person that I'm with now. As soon as there is talk of exclusivity, as soon as there is talk of we are in a relationship, these things need to be communicated and they don't have to be communicated in any kind of shaming or scolding way. There, there doesn't need to be any heat or any energy around them. It's just you want to let that person know what you are game for and what you are not game for. And you want to let them know unequivocally that that's just where you stand and that you can love them up close or you can love them from afar either way you will stand for what it is that you want to be aligned with. And I know I talk about this every episode, but alignment is so important. It's the basis of everything. 
So the very first one, since we're talking about cheaters, a cheater's gonna cheat. So I saw one time an episode of um, some reality show. I feel like it was, I wanna keep thinking in my mind that it was years ago with Lala and Carmelo Anthony They used to have a reality show. And I remember them having a conversation and I, you know, I think they're getting divorced as of like last year, but I remember them having a conversation where she said, and I'm paraphrasing, trust me, I don't remember it well enough to know that this is the absolute truth. And so this, I, I'm, this is not celebrity gossip, but on the show, she basically said to him, um, you know, if you cheat, please just tell me the truth or, or when you, like what she was basically communicating was, I expect you to cheat but here's how I want you to handle it, right? Now, meanwhile, he's a professional basketball player, so I don't know what other group of men has a worse reputation for being cheaters than professional basketball players, but even with that said, there was this unwritten assumption that you're gonna cheat, that you plan to cheat, and that at some point you'll cheat, and I'm being with you knowing that you'll be a cheater or that you could potentially be a cheater. And don't quote me on whether it was them who was having that conversation, but I know it was some reality show I was watching and I was thinking to myself, like how often are women doing that in relationships where they're saying to the person that they're with, you know, when you cheat, this is how to handle it. You know, make sure that you tell me, tell me the truth. Oh, there goes the German shepherd. He don't like talk about cheating. Anyway, you know, make sure that you um, tell me about anything that you do or if you're thinking about it or if you're thinking you want to. Now, that's another thing. So if you're thinking about it and it's something that comes up, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, can we have a conversation before you make any moves? But what I'm talking about is that sort of delusion that, you know, people think that they can say to someone, I know you're going to do this thing. And so when you do, this is how I want you to handle it. And that will somehow make whatever it is manageable for them. So because I already assume you're going to cheat, I'm saving myself <clears throat> from the pain of discovering a betrayal. I'm saving myself from feeling like I'm so delusional to think that you never would. And whatever pain I would have to go through once I discover that you do. So I am sort of getting out in front of it and in a way trying to control it by letting you know what I need you to do if you do it. So there's something to be said for that, I guess, on some level, you know, you're trying to protect yourself, all of that stuff. But from someone who, you know, that, that I only had one relationship where I suspect there was cheating going on. Now I have no proof of it, no solid proof of it, but just certain things in hindsight, I look back on it, my, my shitty pivotal relationship. I, should, I shouldn't call it shitty, I should be grateful for it. But you know, I suspect there was cheating in hindsight. And like I said, there was never a boundary conversation in the beginning of that relationship. It was never talked about. I was in a space of lack. I was so happy to have finally gotten that man or a man um, after a little bit of a dry spell and I was still very asleep to what it meant to really actually connect with someone in a solid, healthy way. And I was still definitely playing out, you know, my traumas and things that hadn't been healed. So no, I never had that conversation with him about what was expected in the relationship. And I look back on it and I'm pretty sure he probably cheated on me. I don't know where he found the time, but, but you know, they're just, 
there are things that indicate that that was a strong possibility, right? And so I say all of that to say that in the relationships where I did have a foundational talk with the person, and I didn't even do this knowingly back then, I never felt suspicious that that person cheated on me. I was with the same person for 13 years in the first relationship and never once felt the possibility that they would have cheated. Now, I'm not saying that that it's not possible. Anything's possible because we never know what someone else can do when, when we're not around. However, I think that when we're in relationships where we're cheated on, part of us knows it. Part of us senses it. There's certain, you know, backlashes and repercussions and things that come up around it, right? The basis of all of it is just to say you can't stop somebody from doing what they're going to do. It's true. But if you assume that they're going to do it, you set yourself up for compromising your standards. You can't stop someone, I'm going to say it again, from doing what they're going to do. It's true. But if you assume that they are going to do it and you go in assuming that they're going to do it, you basically are setting yourself up for, for you know, compromising your standards, right? So what do we do? What's the alternative? We set a boundary. In the beginning, we're talking foundationally. They're trying to get your uh, commitment to be in a, in a exclusive partnership. Okay, that sounds great. But you should know there are deal breakers with this exclusive partnership. Just like any other uh, partnership, there needs to be agreements. There needs to be covenants. There needs to be things that we go into this saying that we agree to, to be in integrity with, right? Doesn't mean that we always will. We're human. We make mistakes. But without this conversation, there is not a leg to stand on. You have to be willing to say to someone newly in a relationship that cheating is a deal breaker if it's a deal breaker for you, right? If it's not a deal breaker for you, then there's probably some other things to unpack and, and go into and, you know, sort of heal. But if you know in your heart of hearts that cheating is a deal breaker for you, Instead of walking around with a belief that anybody that you date is probably a cheater so that you don't keep yourself cut off from the possibility of being with anyone, just know that that is a standard that you can set in a relationship. There is no room for cheating in this relationship. Not for me. It is a deal breaker, which means I'm not going to walk around policing, looking for you to cheat, thinking you're going to cheat, assuming you're going to cheat. But if something comes up that you have cheated, if I know that, there, that you have cheated, if there starts to be you know, inklings of mistrust, dishonesty, where it seems like there's something going on and we can't have a clean communication about it, and my gut, and trust me, your gut will always tell you the truth. It's like they say, if you look for something, you will find it. If you are in a state of mind where you feel like you need to look, you need to be searching, you need to be searching through his phone, you need to be searching through his personal items and things like that, you will find something. You will find something. And not because all men cheat, but because that's what you're attracting in your life when you come from a place of all men cheat. I know, it's like a paradox wrapped in an enigma. It's so complicated when you think about it. It feels so multi-layered. But simply put, we get what we will stand for. 
right? We get what we will align with. And when we say that we will not align with something and we say that we're standing for something, we have to, our actions have to, have to be in alignment with that in order to not attract what we will stand for. So you can say, I won't stand for cheating all you want to, but if the person cheats or the person lies, or you know, you come to find out there's infidelity in a relationship and you stay, your words don't mean anything. Now I get it. You're like, but Candace, what if we have kids together? Well, you know, there's a lot of people that stay after cheating because they want to work it out. And I am not judging anybody for that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But understand that, that when we breach our word with ourselves, we set ourselves up for the thing that we're trying to avoid, right? We set ourselves up for attracting more of that into our lives. Now, like I said, I'm not judging what anybody's decisions are around that. It's not to say that someone who cheats, you know, can't reform themselves and turn it around. But we're talking about how you set up an early dating foundation, right? So you want to start out with a standard, a certain standard that you're determined to live by. Don't worry about future planning. Don't worry about down the road if you have three kids with this person and then they cheat, can you stand by it or not? Just know that today... Today, I'm standing in my word about this. And each day that I can, I'm gonna stand in my word about this. And you know, anytime I'm able, I'm gonna stand in my word about this. When it makes sense, even sometimes if it doesn't make sense, I'm gonna stand in my word about this. And if you're willing to, to just be committed to that and just allow the rest to unfold naturally, you don't have to worry about the future of whether you might have to leave a man after you've had three kids with him. You don't have to worry about that sort of thing if you start out from the beginning saying this is what would be a deal breaker. I'm not gonna assume you're a cheater. I'm going into this relationship and, and I would not go into a relationship with someone who I assume I can't trust, right? So if, that, if you're already doing that, there's something to look at there. There's some healing to be done around that. But you go into the relationship, the assumption is that you are not a cheater, that you're not about that life. But it should be known that that is a deal breaker. If that's something that enters into the relationship, that you're not down for that. That that is not what you want. That is not what you will align with. That is not what you will live with. And that you don't have to. You want to be very, very clear about that. Stop worrying about what future you is going to do if they cheat. Think about today you setting up a foundation so that, that you have something to align with and you can be an example of being an integrity. And I can guarantee you that when you can say, this is my boundary, this is what I can and can't be with, and this is, and this is what I want to be with, and then your actions align with that, meaning that you just give yourself into, I know that if, if I know something different than what I know today, I'm going to take the actions I need to take, and you just release it after that, that person can't help but respect your integrity. And in respecting your integrity, the likelihood that they are going to be in integrity and make better choices. And it's not up to you whether they make better choices or not. But if you're standing in who you say you are, they won't be able to help but either do the same thing or move on from you. And if they move on from you while you're standing in who you say you are and what is acceptable for you, then they need to, and you need to be able to let them go. 
if you say to a man at the beginnings of a relationship, cheating is a deal breaker, and he's thinking in his mind, oh no, she's gonna be trying to control me, I can't do this, what do you mean it's a deal breaker? What if I have a slip? I don't know if I, I don't know if this is right for me. I, I don't know if you have to talk him into anything or convince him or, or if he takes it as like you're trying to control who he is, then he probably is going to cheat and he probably is not the man for you. And if he moves away from you because you are setting down the boundary of knowing what you can be with, then let him go because that is the litmus right there. He cannot be with that you don't want to be with a cheater, which means that he's got it in his mind that cheating is going to be in his framework, right? So let him go because there's so many men out there who don't have that in their framework, who don't have that in their mind, don't have that as any kind of intention whatsoever. Not saying that they would never do it because you'd never say never about anybody, but that they don't, they're gonna be willing to enter into a relationship where there are boundaries, where there are safeties, and where you are standing for who you say you are as a woman and what you feel is acceptable in a relationship as a woman, right? And side note, gotta be willing to, to accept their boundaries as well, what they will stand for as men and what they align with as men. If they say you know, that there's certain things they won't tolerate, like lying about, let's say, money spending, that that's a deal breaker for them, and they, and they adhere to that, you gotta respect it. Like if, if a man says, it's, this is a deal breaker for you to be dishonest about money, and you know, spending it however you want, hiding things, not letting me know what's really going on, you know, causing problems in our finances or doing things in our finances and you're not telling me, like as soon as I find something like that out, that's a problem, we're not gonna be able to be together. That's a legitimate boundary to set at the beginning of a relationship. And so if you know, you know yourself to be someone who is, is you know, honest when it comes to things like that, you know yourself to be someone to be in integrity when it comes to how you handle money, doing what you say you're gonna do with money, things like that, that should be no problem. That should be no problem that that boundary is set. But if you know that you maybe try to, you know, jiggle the books a little bit, maybe spend a little more than you plan to, overdo it, you know, that your plan is to be able to spend his money and spend his money you know, copiously without any sort of agreement, then someone sets a boundary like that, you might be a little leery about being in a relationship with them. You might even say, no, this person's not for me. Every rejection is a favor. So it works in all different directions. So another one, when you're setting down the foundation, I won't stay with a liar. Right, and here's the thing about that. It's slippery slope because you don't wanna be in a place of judgment. When it comes to lies, lies can be so subjective and they can be so perception oriented. But you know, if, if what you're communicating to that person is a purposeful dishonesty, like you say something to me that is purposeful dishonesty that I can't be with. I don't want that in my relationship. I don't want to deal with the, the fallout of that of not being able to just take you at your word and believe what you say. And I'm not assuming that you're going to lie to me because this is not about going in with a mistrust that someone's gonna lie to you, but that is one of my deal breakers as far as being in a committed relationship with someone. 
if someone lies to me and there's proof and we're not talking about like subjective perception perceptive things it's like an out and out lie where reality is one thing and what they're saying is a different thing and whether they'll admit it or not you know if you're saying that's a deal breaker for me if you're trying to mess with my perception about things because you want to be duplicitous that is a deal breaker not because i'm assuming you're going to do it but because i want you to know that that's where i stand and in order to align with my word around that then i have to align with my word around that so if someone does lie to me and it's an obvious not a perception not a subjective not a you know it could have been something else but i'm assuming it because my trust issues are coming up in real time and space you know reality is different than what was actually spoken and there's no you know there's like a dissonance with it like yeah that that can't either can't admit it or admit it and doesn't care or whatever then I got to know I got to stand with what I originally said which was I can't be with a liar I can't be with someone who purposely lies to me right and I got to stand for myself I got to take care of myself in that way and I got to follow through I can't be with you if you can't tell me the truth and who wants to be with anybody who can't tell the truth who you know where both people can't be truthful right and I know there's a lot of relationships out there where there's some hidden hidden stories some hidden issues and truth is not at the forefront there's some nervous people out there that got some things they haven't told that they haven't shared and so you know it's never too late I think in any relationship to share what needs to be shared and to set up structure for going forward and what is and isn't okay for going forward so another boundary that you can set is that I will not be in a relationship with someone who is a drug user or an excessive drinker. I just I it's not what I want for myself. And yeah, that's one of those ones that can be kind of informed by the past, but unless I'm a drug user myself, you know, being a sober person who's dealing with someone who's using drugs and is in addiction, someone in addiction can't can't actually cognitively, mentally, emotionally connect on any meaningful level doesn't mean they can't love you but they cannot love you more than they love their addiction they cannot prioritize you over their addiction which means that you will always be second sometimes third fourth to their addiction and whatever they have to do to feed their addictions right so and and it's far reaching it it's sometimes it's just drug addiction but it could also be things like a hoarding you know if you have someone who has a hoarding addiction and you are their partner and you don't have a hoarding addiction your life can't help but be adversely affected by their addiction obviously if someone you know where drugs are the issue they're going to be high they're going to be in, you know unable to connect and understand in a way that somebody who's sober will be able to connect and understand you're going to be on completely different planes you know there's not going to be any sustainability within it and you can love somebody so 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 much i'm not even going to negate for a second cuz i i've been there you love them so much or you feel like you love them so much and you want to be with them so much and you want to connect with them and you want to be able to bring out the potential that you see in them but what they want to do 
is be high and be in their cycle of addiction. And even if they say they don't want to, their actions say something completely different. Their actions are telling the real story and the actions usually do tell the real story. And it's okay to say it at the beginning of a relationship. If you're using drugs, if you need to use drugs, if that's something that you do, whatever it may be, you could just be 420 friendly and I, I might be offending a lot of people out there. I got nothing against you if you wanna smoke all the weed in the world. Nothing against you. I've smoked weed in my life. I don't have any judgments about it morally, but I do know that when it comes to being in a relationship with someone, unless you're both smoking weed, there is not enough connectivity. It, it, to be able to actually connect on a level with someone who, especially if they're like a wake and baker, daily weed smoker, and have any sort of sustainability as far as how you get life done and you know what your, your, the trajectory of your relationship looks like with someone who's high every day. Yeah, it's impossible. No, you know, whatever. Everything, there's always exceptions. Maybe somebody out there is like, yeah, I've been with my weed smoker and I don't smoke weed and I love him to death and we're wonderful. We have a great time. Good for you. It's wonderful. I don't want to, you know, cast any negativity on your relationship or make you think it's not going to work out. But when you're beginning a relationship with someone and you know that that's not the framework that you want, you know that's not what you want to experience with someone, it's perfectly okay to say that's not for me. So if that's something you're planning to do with your life, I'm not judging you for it. It's, you know, that's your thing. Do your thing. And trust me when I tell you, sometimes like we can feel so in love with someone in the beginning and it can feel so like this has to happen. I need to make this happen. But there is no more regretful feeling than that feeling of having not stood for your own self-care, your own well-being and compromised what is okay for you in order to hold on to someone. Because the outcome of that is more painful than any, like the intensity, than any good feelings you could possibly have with the early, early times of being with someone. Like it's just, if, if you want a perfect example of it, watch the Pam and Tommy series on Hulu. I'm not getting any kickback, so that's not really an endorsement. But that's a perfect example of like getting into a relationship with someone, you know, a clearly narcissistic, addictive, very addictive personality in the hopes that, you know, that your love for them and your desire for good things for you and them to be together are going to be strong enough for you to actually create something that's loving and happy in the midst of their loving their addiction and them, you know, being in a in an unhealed state. Right? And you almost you have to be in an unhealed state to be able to be with someone in an unhealed state. And it's not a bad thing, there's nothing wrong with it, but you know, we're out here trying to create healthy sustainability. Codependence ain't the road. That ain't the way to go. Also, this is one thing that I think people often just assume is not going to happen, which is why we often can end up in these kinds of relationships. But putting a boundary around, I will not stay for physical, physical and emotional abuse. Like if you're looking to hurt me and I see that you're looking to hurt me, it feels that you're looking to hurt me. Physically, especially. Physically, it's very evident, right? You know if somebody purposely pushes you, punches you, hauls off, you know, backslaps you, 
pulled your hair, whatever. Like there's no way around that, just knowing that that is what it is. And so that's a boundary that can be set before it ever happens. Now, if you're dealing with an abuser, you've already got a, your word in place. The first time they lay a hand on you, the first time, and I'm not saying this in a Pollyanna way, like I don't get it. I was in an abusive relationship. I know how it snowballs. Because the first couple times you have excuses, you're thinking, you know, you're maybe putting the blame on yourself a little bit. You know, you let it go by. There was never any conversation where you said it's not okay, which it sounds crazy. Why would I have to tell anyone it's not okay to hit me? It's, it needs to be said. In our society, in today's day and age, where people are raising their kids with corporal punishment and their kids are getting beat, and, not, and so many people are not making the connection between beating their kids and then having people grow up and being physical, physical abusers, I'm not saying that every child that was beat ends up being a physical abuser, but the moment someone hits you, no matter what age you are at, or specifically when you're a child, the moment you are hit, that becomes a tool in your toolbox of coping with people. Let me say that again. The moment in your life that someone strikes you, I don't care if you're two years old, if you're eight years old, if you're 13 years old, when your parent strikes you, someone who is your caretaker, who is there to love you, what they have done is put a coping mechanism in your toolbox for how to deal with people when they're not doing what you want them to do. Now that doesn't mean everybody who's ever gotten hit has hit somebody else as an adult. I'm not saying that but the likelihood is so much higher. The moment I experienced violence as a child, and I don't care, I know there's people out there who be like, well, I was a bad child, I deserve to get hit, like so indoctrinated, right? But the moment that I experienced physical violence as repercussion for my behavior, what I have learned is that physical violence is a go-to. And I may or may not use it, I may or may not let myself get there depending on whatever else is, was in my conditioning, however else I was raised, but it's a big risk to take once you, you know, as a parent to hit a child and then expect them to not ever abuse anybody or to ever go, to, go that route. And that's why there is so much physical violence in the world that we live in and no one's making that association. You know, or very few people are making that association. So when you're in a relationship with someone, that conversation needs to be had. I don't care what your socioeconomic status is or your culture, your class, your color. I don't care about any of that. That conversation needs to be had. That physical abuse is, is a deal breaker in this relationship. The moment you ball your fist up and strike me with it, that is the relationship ender. You slap my face, that is the relationship ender. And I don't care if you're a man or a woman, whoever does it first, and I'm not gonna lie and say I never did it first, because I've hit people before, I gotta admit it, and I've been hit. But the moment you do it, my deal breaker is this, the moment you do it, our relationship ends. And I know you're like, but Candace, that might mean I have to move out. And what if I can't afford it? And what if this and what if that? Figure it out. Know that you are going to stand in your word on this. Because the moment that you don't stand in your word when it comes to abuse, 
If you go ahead and let it happen, if you let it be okay, it will continue to be okay and there you will find yourself in an abusive relationship and what will happen is that it will only snowball and it will only become something that, that becomes a bigger problem for you to escape. So escape it when it is the easiest way to escape it, which is when it very first starts. That's gonna be the easiest time. I don't care if you even have a couple of kids. The easiest time to escape abuse is the moment it starts. The moment that there's any indication that you are gonna get hit, smacked, punched, slapped, pushed, I don't care if it's a woman, I don't care if it's a man, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's your, your straight lover, your gay lover, your, your whatever, I don't care. If physical abuse comes into it, it's gotta stop, right? And I know that it's like, oh, but you know, it was just a little push and we were fighting and this, mm, 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 mm. have the conversation that physical abuse is a deal breaker in this relationship. Don't be afraid to stand for yourself in that way. Now, emotional abuse can be a little bit stickier just because sometimes we have trauma and we're just extremely sensitive. And so if we've been emotionally abused, maybe growing up, or if that's something that we've dealt with, then you know it's gonna be hard sometimes to decipher what is actually emotional abuse. Because sometimes people are a little sarcastic, sometimes people are, but you know, the, there's some clear things like if, if it really feels bad to you and and your communication that it feels bad to you doesn't mean anything to them you're in the realm of abuse right because i know sometimes people can be smart assy i'm a little sarcastic i've been in relationships with men who are sarcastic my father was very sarcastic or still is i say it like he's still around but he's just not as, as an old man he's not as sarcastic as he was you know younger and so I'm, I'm used to that uh, sort of, you know, emotional dynamic where you're dealing with someone who's very sarcastic. And so if you're sensitive to it, because maybe you have trauma and you have pain and you're sensitive to sarcasm, that can feel very abusive, right? So you want to have that same kind of, of um, integrity when it comes to saying that that's a deal breaker for you like that just doesn't i can't be in a relationship with you if if you're going to be sarcastic or mean and not understand that it doesn't land on me well that it doesn't feel good to hear you talk to me like that not to say that you have to be trying to make me feel good every moment but you're you're triggering something in me that's very hurtful and i know that's something that i have to deal with the hurt I have to work on the hurt and work on healing that. But as my partner who loves me, if I can't say to you, please don't talk to me like that, because that doesn't feel good at all. If I can't say that to you and have it be respected, then we're, we're in an abusive situation. If you make a joke about me and make me the butt of the joke and I can't say that didn't, that feels insulting. Like I don't feel good about what you said and have you understand that, get it and retract it, or even at least explain that wasn't your intention or you know but if you just negate it like oh you're too sensitive you're the problem whatever that's not relating that's not a relationship and they're not wrong right so if we're sensitive about something that someone says to us and we're in our feelings about it and we're hurt yeah we're sensitive our traumas have been triggered our pain has been triggered they're absolutely right about it but as the as our partner there has to be a level of compassion for that Oh, I hit a nerve. 
And it's not because something's wrong with you, you're a human being. And so what I said actually triggered a nerve in you. I actually did, did say something hurtful. I, that wasn't what I intended to do. And I get it and I respect that. So I'm not gonna do that to you. I'll support you in healing whatever it is had that nerve hit because I really didn't intend to hurt you. So however I can support you in healing that, I'll do that. That's love, that's relating, that's relationship, right? That's why we have no time for someone who will be emotionally abusive and not want to own it, talk about it, interact with you, right? And by no time, I mean, we just can't be in a romantic relationship together. And that's okay, because we're not, you know, that's a deal breaker. That's, that's what I'm setting up. If we want to be in a romantic relationship together, we got to be able to communicate about stuff. It can't be, oh, you can never hurt me. It's if you say something that's hurtful, we gotta be able to talk about it, have a conversation around it, communicate it, get it all out on the table so nobody's walking around with resentful feelings. No one's walking around feeling triggered and sensitive, right? It's a deal breaker if we can't do that. If you're gonna be mean and hurtful and, and we never get to talk about it, that's a deal breaker. Right? And that one can be a little more subjective, but you know, because you want to just be cognizant of I'm not just walking away because I didn't like something you said. Because there's always going to be times where you don't like something that someone says when you're in a relationship with, with them. I mean, that's just human, right? You, even with your best friends, it's like there's going to be times where you're like, well, why'd she come at me like that? Or why'd she say it like that? What was she trying to say? But without communication, we never get to sort of unfold it, unpack it, get it off our chest, and then move forward. So the key is not just that you say something that's not so nice, but are you willing to have a conversation about it that what you said didn't land on me very well? Are you willing to, to kind of clean up how you delivered something to me? You know, and it kind of like contradicts with some things that I've said in the past about you know, how we have to be responsible for our own reactions. I still stand by that because if we are triggered, if we are feeling hurt, we are feeling a sensitivity. Yes, there's something to be healed in there. And yes, it is sensitivity. But also they, they're acting out of trauma by being either nasty or insulting or insensitive to, to what it is that, that you know, actually would have landed on you well, right? So we're relating, we're in relationship together. So we're looking to support each other in healing traumatic behaviors traumatic responses, not to make each other wrong for it, but to just be able to talk it out and come together on it and heal it and, and understand how to be more compassionate with each other. I know it's so complicated and multi-layered. And the last one, deal breaker conversation before you commit, I will not stay for self-destruction, shiftlessness, or unhealed trauma that causes you to hate yourself. So that speaks directly to if someone is hateful, mean, abusive, because they've got unhealed trauma. I won't stay for your unhealed trauma. I won't stay for your deep-seated insecurities that make you mean or hateful. My abusive ex used to accuse me of wearing tight jeans because I want men to look at me. And, you know, like I had some sort of issue, some sort of something wrong with me because I wanted to look sexy in clothes 
and it was just about having men look at me and he was very like you know would talk very down to me like shaming shaming you're just wearing that because you want men to look at your butt or whatever which you know it, so from his insecurities <laughs> so born out of insecurity to interpret it that way. I mean, I've, I've always been the type of woman who likes to look sexy, but not for the sake of attracting other men when I'm in a relationship. I like being a sexy woman. That's who I am. And yeah, I do like the responses it gets. I do like taking advantage of a little bit of pretty privilege. I'm not the most beautiful woman in the world, but I do okay. I do really okay for 50. I'm not so bad if I say so myself. And, you know, someone who I'm in relationship, if they can't be with that and take it for what it is, that it's not some, you know, I'm desperate for likes and I'm desperate for validation. Please see, you know, look at my titties and, and tell me I'm beautiful. Like, if that's how they interpret who I am naturally, because I don't go out of my way to be shoving anything in anybody's face. I just like to be who I am, right? Be who I naturally am, what feels good for me. And so... You know, to be able to stand for, I'm just going to be who I am. And if that offends you as far as my sexuality or how I like to dress or who I naturally am, if that is something that you want to turn into uh, something that hurts you or is um, offensive to you, and there's no communication or understanding that maybe what you're perceiving is not what you think you're perceiving and we can't talk about it, we can't, then there's, I mean, that's a deal breaker. Because where are we gonna go with that? You being accusing? You being accusing that I'm, I'm doing something that I'm not doing with your insecurities coming from your insecure place about it, it's not really gonna go anywhere. Right? If you're self-destructive, that speaks to the, the addiction and drug use and things like that. But that can also speak to you know, how I deal with people every day. Self-destructive people always have a problem with somebody. They're always in some sort of conflict. They're always in some sort of thing with somebody. There's always somebody did something to them, self-destructive people. And you can say that's a deal breaker for me. Like I, I get that you wanna commit to this relationship but you should know before we commit to this relationship that you know what I want to be aligned with is somebody who is accepting of other people, somebody who can settle conflicts and communicate, somebody who's not always in the middle of a drama. And it's okay to communicate that to somebody. And I'm not assuming that you are this person, and that counts for all of those. I'm not assuming that you're a cheater. I'm not assuming you're a liar. I'm not assuming you're a drug dealer, I'm not, or a drug user. I'm not assuming that you're a physical or emotional abuser. And I'm not assuming that you are self-destructive, shiftless, or walking around with unhealed trauma. You should just know that these are the things that I can't stay for. So if they start to show up and we're going into this exclusive relationship, then I'm gonna have to be outie. And you gotta stand by that. I'm not trying to manipulate you or force you to be one way or the other. Just know that that's not what I wanna be aligned with in my life today. And you can always let people know, that's not what I wanna be aligned with in my life today. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next year, maybe never. You can always let people know what you're aligning with at the time. And sometimes people will join you in what you are aligned with. 
I want to be aligned with something different. You want to come along with me? Great. You don't want to come along with me? That's okay. I still love you. Next week, we're going to talk about the things that will keep me. So we talked about all these deal breakers and all of these, like, you know, when you talk about the beginning of a relationship, what are all the things that you want to let a person know will, will ruin the possibility of going ahead in the future. So now let's talk about all of the things that will keep me with you that I will happily stay for. And, you know, I can even acknowledge these things that I might see in you. That's going to be a great show next, next week. I'm going to put you on suspense for a whole seven days. What will keep me is our next show. So that's it, everybody. This hour goes by so quickly. I love you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure sitting down, chit-chatting with you. Right now, I'm doing a complimentary two-hour coaching session. So if that's something you feel like you're interested in, email me, Candice at CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com. It's no sales. It is just a complimentary two-hour coaching session. If you find that you have an amazing breakthrough, which you will because that's what I do, if you find that you, you're, you're having an amazing breakthrough and you would like to continue to work with me after that, then you can ask me about it. I only accept clients by uh, invitation or referral. So if you decide, oh, Candace, this session was so great. I want to know about working with you. What do I need to do? Then I'll let you know about what you need to do. But this particular complimentary coaching call is specifically just for the coaching. Right? And my feelings will not be hurt if you don't ask about going forward with coaching because it actually, um, you know, it, it's a value to me to serve, to be of service, to be in service, and to be constantly coaching. So that's just what that's about, right? It serves me to be able to do that. It's my zone of genius. I love it. And, you know, if you really are serious about wanting to have some breakthroughs, I would love to do it with you. Anyway, but be, on, be high on the scale of like wanting to, to have a healthy love life or, you know, make serious transformation. I want you between a zero to 10, I want you seven or higher, right? On that scale to take advantage of this complimentary coaching call. Anyway, I love you so much. Don't forget to follow me at Candy Love Coach on Instagram and on TikTok. TikTok. TikTok in the time away which I'm trying not to do so much in my life. Don't forget to, um, actually soon you'll be able to subscribe to my YouTube channel again, because I think I'm going to start doing YouTube lives on my own, as well as, like I said, the one I have coming up with Coach EO on March 16th at one o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Central. We have a live sit down discussion and we're going to be taking questions and just talking about stuff, chopping it up. He's so funny because sometimes he tends to like check his phone while I'm talking. He does this very like, I'm, I'm very masculine, so I can't listen to a woman for too long kind of thing. But you know, we have a good affinity and I get what he's up to. I get what he's doing. I love him anyway. And you know, I know that I'm there saying what I'm saying for the benefit of the people who want to hear it. And I know he's listening. Anyway, I love you so much. Until next time, never forget that you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, what you gonna do? You're gonna just make more because you're a love machine, honey. And then you're gonna ask for candy. I love you so much, my sweetheart. Bye now. Mwah, mwah, mwah.